This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm so excited today to have my guest, Kate Scott on. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. So it is Kate. It's not Katie. I, honest to goodness, I go by Katie most often. Okay. Online, I went by Kate for a super long time. I am not one of those people that's very picky. A lot of people in my life call me either or both. Like, so I. I feel like Katie Scott is what I have settled on to be like my online online presence name. Okay. Because I think I like used both and I kept being like, am I getting this right? I don't know. And then I just saw Kate and I had thought it was Katie. So I, okay, we're getting it, getting it out of the way. So, okay. I'm going to call you Katie. I'm going to be good. (laughs) All right. Awesome. So we met on Instagram and, um, you know, I think, you were sort of one of the first people I met when I sort of changed my Instagram trajectory for the longest time. I was just sort of doing it, like posting my kids and doing my thing. And I actually had started on Instagram years ago as a fitness blogger. So I had gained a following in that area. Mm-hmm. But then when I basically stopped talking about fitness and only talking, started talking about faith, I just like started to lose followers like crazy. Um, and then I just sort of kind of gave up. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to post family stuff. Mm-hmm. But then as I kind of got more into doing my own little ministry and working on more writing, I thought I've got to have a strategy. I've got to have a strategy. And so that's when I really shifted my um, brand, so to speak, mm-hmm. to really uh, showcase what I was working on in the writing world, in the ministry world. And that's when I connected with you as I was looking for more people that were sort of on that similar track. So um, so I'm glad that we connected. We've done like a giveaway together and mm-hmm. another project together. So that's really fun. That's one of the fun things I think about the world of social media is how many people you get to meet um, yes. along the way. So yes, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in your ministry. Sure. So my name is Katie Scott. Um, I live a little bit north of you. I'm in Indiana as well. And um, my husband is a pastor at a church. And I am, I have three kids, they're ages four, five, and seven right now. And so I was a little bit like you in the online space for a super long time. Um, I just kind of wrote about whatever I felt like. And there was a time my blog was super like more like healthy living focused, sometimes more motherhood focused, sometimes more recipe focused. And similar to you, like I felt God shifting me and shifting my passions, um, towards speaking more about faith and about how faith impacts everyday lives of women and especially mothers. Cause that was the season I was in with a lot of little kids. I had three of my kids, all of them in three and a half years. Wow. And that was a really challenging time for me. And it was because my faith couldn't look like it had looked so often in the past. Like I had been a Christian for a super long time. I came to faith as a small child. And so I was used to my faith looking like 30-minute devotionals with hot cups of coffee and just lots of time to dive into the word. And that's what I was expecting even of myself in that season. So God was doing work inside of me. And then probably about a year, probably took a year for that even to come onto my blog, on the page of it actually. And then it's just been kind of a shift 
to really speaking that message of, I call it chasing vibrance is my website. So living with joy and intention and having faith in the little moments is really what I like to speak to women in general, but most particularly moms in like the season of motherhood with really little kids. Now, did you feel like, you know, you were overwhelmed in that time and probably didn't really know what to do. So how did you decide, or when did you come to the point where you said, okay, I think I figured a little something out. I can help other people. Yeah. So the real like switch or shift inside of me, I felt like for a long time, um, as I was pregnant with my third baby, that I was longing for this idea of vibrance. Um, and I, that word had like came to me over the summer in a Bible study. And I was like, I know this is what I want. And I know that I don't want it for selfish reasons. I know that like John 10, 10 says like, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. And I didn't want it so I could have like an abundance of red Corvettes or an abundance of like superficial things, but I really did want spiritual abundance. So fast forward, having the baby and I was sitting in our living room in our couch and um, my kids were watching this cartoon that had this little alien on it that was doing art. And he said, Oh, that lights me up. And I kind of woke up of that like postpartum, like blur a little bit. And I was like, wait a second. And that really sparked in me that I could do something that day that lit me up. And so I began this kind of experiment just on my own. I didn't document it really anywhere besides like in journaling pages on my own of finding things that lit me up. And the thread that I noticed was no matter how small or how large spending time with the Lord. Like I was like, Mm. this is the thread that is pulling all these pieces together and all these self-care practices that I'm doing are great totally wonderful things that I need to be incorporating in my life. But if I didn't have that five or 10 minutes with the Lord, then it was really, it wasn't, it wasn't working. It wasn't vibrant. It wasn't lighting me up. That's what I really needed the most, especially in that season and in every season of life. So when I feel like it was probably over, that was in 2017. And then we moved actually back to Indiana. We were in Michigan at the time. We moved to Indiana to work at this church that we're currently at. And um, it was probably in the fall of 2018. So for a year, at least that that message kind of settled inside of me. And then I wrote like just one post on my blog about that. And I really feel like God continued to work it inside of me. And I've been working it out after (laughs) from that moment forward. And it just come in different ways. And I feel like like you said, like with your Instagram and all that presence shifting, I think the great thing was a lot of people that I didn't have a super large following, but the people that were there were really following me for me. And I also in that space realized that people wanted to hear about my faith. Like they were looking for that spiritual guidance from someone a little bit farther along than them, even just to say like, Hey, like five minutes is better than three minutes. And if you Mm -hmm. feel like you're, you know, bringing that perfectionistic attitude into your quiet time as a mom, like I really felt like my kids had to always be like asleep and like, so I could focus on that, but that was never reality. (laughs) You can't (laughs) do that. never a real thing. Um, So I feel like that being able to speak to that. And even now I like my kids are a little bit older. So my youngest is four. Um, And I'm looking back at some friends that were, um, you know, young adults and we're babysitting my kids and now they're having kids. And part of me is just, you know, what are the things I wish I could speak back into myself in that season, but that I still need to hear today because I still can bring that attitude into my, my faith and my parenting and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like, I like your example of the light. Um, I, you know, I have to stop because sometimes I get really, I find that I'm very productive 
in the mornings. So if I happen to wake up and like my kids are not up, which is off really, that's pretty rare. Um, but I'll get up at like five or even four 30. Um, and I will be like, Oh, I could use this time to get so much work done. Mm -hmm. But if I skip the Bible first thing in the morning, it never happens. And then I get into a pattern and a habit. And the next thing I know, I realize how that's affecting me. And Mm -hmm. so I have to kind of pause and restart and say, I have to start, I have to start the day with the Bible. I have to start the day in prayer. Like that really does set the tone and the foundation of the day every time. And it's also kind of reminds me of, of sort of the reason behind Sabbath, meaning just like, you know, when I start the day off working like crazy, that's kind of me not believing that God's going to provide when I need to do that later in the day. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, giving God your best first, like giving the first 10% to God um, rather than, you know, the last 10%, which sometimes mm-hmm. isn't there when it's time to give it. So I think that's such a great point. Well, you have a beautiful website. I love it. I think um, you've done a great job with that. Like, how did you decide, you know, what you were going to focus on there and, and what you were going to draw people in with? Um, yeah. So because I've had the website for a super long time, that actually was probably a shift I made most intentionally, even just a year ago, because I was still part of it was what felt familiar to me. And part of it was also like, I do receive ad income from my website and what draw brought most of my traffic was recipes. Mm. And so I just kept putting those out because that felt easy. It felt like what I knew it felt a little less vulnerable and just was like my rhythm. And, um, I had a blogging coach at the time that was like, if you want to bring people in and your end goal is to, um, kind of help women through Bible, you want to sell Bible, you want to do Bible studies with them. You want to write a book someday. You want to draw this kind of woman in. You're not drawing them in with recipes. Like you're, that's not going to work. And I, w- I just needed someone to tell me that straight up to my face. Cause I was like, I don't want to niche down. Like, I don't want to just do one thing. Um, I was really rebellious against that idea, but once again, part of it was like a vulnerability and a faith thing that like, if my content shifted, would the revenue streams that my family kind of depended on a little bit, um, would that go away as well? Um, and so just even this last year, I have done mostly all faith content and I really, part of it is I look and have questions that people send me like, or things that I feel like I'm hearing from the real girls in my life, from women in my small group and the questions that they have. We also attend a fairly um, young church that's filled with a lot of young believers. And so I think that gives me a really unique perspective because I have been in Christian circles, been a follower of the Lord for so long that some things I'm like, well, everyone knows how to start a prayer. Why would you be worried or embarrassed about praying out loud? Like surely you know how to start. And I like one day was in Google and I like Googled how many people Google how to pray, like how to start a prayer. And I was floored by like, you know, 30,000 people a month are Googling something like that. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Like some of these things that I think that are second nature or, um, one of my Bible studies is about claiming the promises of God. And that came out of a question from a different set. I was kind of doing a mindfulness exercise. And as part of that with the women I was like working with, I asked them to, um, write down like a promise of God they wanted to claim. So like, as, after you finish your quiet time, like kind of journaling some things, you're like, this is a promise I want to claim for my day. Um, and so I knew exactly what that meant. But one of the ladies emailed me and she's like, I don't, 
I don't know a promise of God. I'm not sure what you mean by this whole sentence makes no sense to me. And from that, I developed a Bible study that was really all about like, what are the promises of God and how do I speak them over my life? Like meditate on them and bring them with me into my day. Um, So a lot of them come from questions that I'm getting from real people. And that's kind of the way I develop the content and sometimes it's just random, like things I'm passionate about or <laughs> studying on my own. I've like did a study on some time in forgiveness. And so I've written a few posts about that or Bible verses that go along with it. So it's a, it's a plethora. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that idea of Googling that. That's so interesting because you're right as Christians, having been Christians for a long time, it is really easy to take for granted or not even realize what people don't know. Like you're mm-hmm. right. Um, that's a great idea for content and, and and really smart in order to figure out what it is that people are looking for. Um, now you have done some Bible studies um, and I'm just wondering, I believe it or not, I have never written a Bible study and I'm sort of thinking about it. And so I'm curious when you do that, like how do you even begin? And do you pick a book? Do you pick a a topic or how do you go about it? So the claiming the promises of God that I wrote that or had the idea for it in the summer of 2020. And that was kind of fueled a little bit by the question that the friend asked me. And my church actually was reading through the Psalms that summer and all my way through the Psalms. I just felt like I kept seeing, cause someone had asked me and I was like, well, what, I guess I'll start looking for the promises of God. I was like, I think I know them, but I think while I'm reading through here in Psalms, I'll just start really looking for some and writing them down. Um, so that was a piece of that. And so I really began to look through them. And then once I kind of had a good chunk, I thought I really wanted things that spoke to different sections. So I really, I develop it topically, I suppose. Um, So it wasn't just going through the Psalms and looking for promises, but like, what were the promises about God? And then what, what were the promises that God said to me? And then specifically at the time I was feeling kind of a lack of joy and a lack of peace in a lot of our lives that, I mean, still somewhat, but especially summer 2020, it felt like that. So I just looked for some specific things like joy and peace and just kind of developed a a full set. I did 30 days and then I've actually expanded it. I don't know when or if I'll do it to 40 days. Um, and really the Bible study, I call it like a guided Bible study because mostly in them, I'm not, it's not like a Beth Moore workbook where I'm sending you to do a lot of like activities. I'm having you read the word and then write it out to kind of slow yourself down. And then I offer journaling prompts and then a worship song that goes along with each day's thing. So really, and then with that, they also get in the um, my teaching. So I teach for like, I think the f- three lessons or four where I'm kind of more explaining like, hey, this is the background behind the promises of God. Um, these are some that people get tripped up on. Like here's here's something that people see like, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, um, you know, for this, find the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. People latch onto that, ooh, prosper and not harm. That means everything good is going to come to me. Kind of this like, you know, I don't know, I feel like it's all over social media, but like this abundance mindset that like, you know, good things are coming for me if I can just speak them into existence. 
you don't see that in the Bible, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, but just really being like, well, what does that verse mean? Because people will take it out of context and it makes a really nice t-shirt or bumper sticker. Um, but so some of those, are those kind of more, the deeper pieces of the Bible study, I work through in like the teaching sections versus like kind of sending you out to hunt those things on your own. Um, and that one, my real purpose in that is I made these Bible studies for moms who could do them in five, under five to 10 minutes. And I felt like could go deep in both receiving and like applying the word. But if they had the time, you could expand it and it can be as long as you need it to be. Um, but that was just kind of a method that fit me and fit my fit the way that I was already studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think that I would also like, I would, I would love to challenge myself to do more of a book Bible study where it is a little bit more structured. Cause I think that would be, I think that would be fun. Cause I'm a nerd <laughs> and I love the Bible and I love the research and I love to get into those details with people, but it is a little bit more involved um, just on the writing side of it. But then you don't maybe have the teaching sessions, but yeah. Yeah. But I think that just kind of letting, and then the other one I was claiming fresh hope that was once again, like I just happened, don't remember why to look into the, um, Strong's like concordance. Like I have the blue letter Bible app and I love to go in there and like check out. And for one, whatever reason I was looking at a verse and it had that word hope. And I was like, let me just look at what hope means in their language. And I found that there was at least three different words for hope. And I really teased that out and looked at that in that study. And it was just something that I, I feel like I, <laughs> I don't want to say for fun, but just like for my own benefit and edification, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I think there's a lot here. And that hope felt really needful once again, and just what's going on in the world. So that's it's not a perfect system. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a cool idea though. I love that. I love the you know, anything to do with words, like, uh, you know, I know there's a couple words that in other languages that there are words for things, but they don't have them in the English language. And yes. I've always been fascinated by things like that. And I think it really does um, expand the depth of the meaning and understanding when you can take those different words or concepts and, and bring them into one. It helps you really see what hope or whatever word you're talking about truly is um, in a fuller way. Um so when it comes to moms, and you mentioned your devotionals are five minutes, you know, quick or whatever, um, do you have any other tips for a busy mom that wants to improve her faith life? Like, you know, it, it is hard. Like my husband and I, mm-hmm. we are, I guess we're troopers. I don't know. We try to read a chapter of the Bible. We each read the chapter like by ourselves sometime during the day. And then the idea is that every night we're going to discuss the chapter. But I can, as you know, no doubt, it is like, it is so hard to discuss the chapter. So we, we don't stay up late. So we can't wait till the kids are in bed because like, like I'm, a, I'm going to bed then. <laughs> That's just mm-hmm. my life right now, at least. And so we always try to do it like sort of after dinner before bedtime starts. And it's just so many interruptions. I mean, the screaming, the fighting, the neediness, it's, it's very difficult um, with littles. So what are some ideas that you have for keeping someone rooted in their faith, even when they have screaming children? Yes. So my first thing is that you can always pick it back up. Like this is, I just was talking over on my Instagram about this. I spoke this week at my church talking about Advent. And I was like, if you have not started Advent, like, just start somewhere. Just start small. Start do anything um, that pulls your heart closer to the Lord. Like this episode is brought to you in part 
by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Even if that means that, to me, you're taking a lesser choice of being like, hey, I'm just going to turn on a worship playlist that I love, and this is what I have. This is today what I have, Lord. Um, or like, I'm just going to open up, you know, even like the version Bible app and like, what's the verse of the day? And I'm going to read that verse. Maybe I'm going to screenshot it, like put it around me. So I think that there are so many of those little, like I call that like a drive through quiet time is what I kind of call that. Like <laughs> that you're like, I'm just taking a snatch here because this is what I need today. And we know sometimes like as busy moms, like we don't want to have drive through dinner um, often. But it happens. <laughs> we don't want it every day for our kids or for us, but we, sometimes it happens and that's okay. And then my other, as my kids have gotten a little bit older, um, I use screen time for my quiet time. I have no mm-hmm. qualms about that. I think that I had to kind of make a little bit of peace um, with using screen time in that way. I held a lot of personal judgment for myself about screen time, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing. I could probably tease out more of like why I feel like it's not a great choice. But part of me was like, what's better for my kids that they sit and watch, you know, little Einsteins or whatever they're watching. And I get this 20 minutes, you know, the length of their show to have really kind of uninterrupted. And my kids like to watch TV. So it's generally uninterrupted because they're just like, "Mm, let's watch it. Um, So that's something that I tell moms, like use your screen time wisely, use your screen time with your kids so that you can fill yourself up spiritually. I think too, uh, my husband and I are good about like swapping off and on. And just like, maybe if he comes home from work and being like, Hey, I've not gotten like a second to connect with the Lord. I just don't have any, I I'm like frazzled and stressed. And I would love to take 30 minutes and go to the bedroom and shut the door and spend some time with the Lord in my quiet time reading my Bible. Um, and he generally will do that. And part of it, I has to be chill. <laughs> about whatever he does during the 30 minutes when he is with them. And I am by myself. Don't pay attention to what they're doing. He's not going to hurt them. I'm locking the door. No one needs me. Um, So, and that's just a, like, probably just a control thing a little bit that I'm like, oh, and a little bit that I want to always seem, I think sometimes moms lean away from that. They don't want to seem to be a bother or I want to seem like I don't need help, but I do need help sometimes. And asking for those things is not, is not bad and making it truly like making your relationship with the Lord, something that is constantly ongoing, especially in this season and trusting too, that with really little kids, this season is a short season in the scope of your life. Like I talk sometimes to my mom or other like Christian women that are older in their fifties and their um, later forties or either sixties. And they're like, yeah, I remember when it was like, 
those little, like my mom used to have like a little flip calendar that had Bible verses that she would sit by her sink when she did dishes. And she was like, sometimes that, and like the Christian radio, that was what I had. And now she's older and in a different season. And she's like, I spend 45 minutes on my porch, just, you know, reading the Bible and praying and doing all this. So I think understanding too, that your journey with Jesus is very long and he's playing the long game in your faith. And if these moments maybe don't have as much of that dedicated or deep study time, like I'm trusting that he's doing the work along the way in this season too. And Mm -hmm. if it looks a little different, that's okay. That's really good. I I love that advice. And, um, oh yeah, I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on making church a priority for your family? Well, my husband works at church. (laughs) church You guys have that one. (laughs) So church is a priority for our family. Um, partially just because of that. Um, there have been though, of course, like, I mean, with COVID, I don't, there were seasons where our church did not have children's ministry. And so I did just not, I just didn't go like that. Would, I was, it was not going to happen. I couldn't, there was no, I don't want to say there was no spiritual value, um, but I wouldn't be getting much from it because I would be constantly corralling the kids. And um, and then I also um, on Sundays, I'm on my own with getting my kids to church. And that is something that stepping into a role as a pastor's wife, I had to get adjusted to, and it took some work to do that. Um, to just find a little bit better of a rhythm. And also like, I don't generally, I speak at our church and I'm on our speaking team. So I um, preach and speak four to five times a year, but that involves a lot of people when I do it. So beyond that, I don't serve at our church on Sunday mornings because I feel like I need to bring my full self to our kids um, in that. And then when I do speak, we pay people to come help us. <laughs> I pay a babysitter to come and get my kids ready. And um, I'm always like, I'm sure you'll never have kids <laughs> after getting three kids ready for Sunday morning. You'll be like, I know what they're talking about. Um, so I think that truly though, I know even with um, online church, I know for me, it's still always worth it to be in the building, to be there for the worship, be there for the connection. And that is sometimes just a choice of obedience. And there are seasons where like, you know, sick kids, like I said, there, it's just not going to work. And I'm so thankful that there's so many online options right now that I can still connect like with my church and see my people um, at our church in those seasons. But I do think we can prioritize it. And I think that it's good for us. I think you wrote that article about church attendance in the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic and how like mental health that affects your, so even if I'm like, even if you're not doing it for spiritual reasons, there's something about the community Mm -hmm. um, belonging in a place, some place where people recognize you and and go to a good church. Like, you know, I'm not saying stay in an unhealthy church or anything like that. There's a lot of those out there too, but being in a good community has benefits on so many levels. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, So your husband was not a pastor uh, before? Yeah. So we came from camp ministry. We worked at a camp. He's worked as a worship pastor. That's what he is. He's a worship pastor. And so he worked, did that in lay leadership um, for a long time. And then we were six years working at a Christian camp up in Michigan. And then we moved here three and a half years ago. Okay. To take a position as a worship director. Yeah. 
Okay. Very cool. Do you feel, and I know that's not the same as being like the wife of the head pastor, but as, as a pastor's wife, do you feel pressure or what is that experience like? Um, you know, I really don't. Part of it is our church is a younger church. It's a a church plant. So it's not quite 10 years old. And I really felt the freedom when we came here to be whatever I needed to be. And I really didn't volunteer at all. For the first six months we were here, I did nothing. I just acclimated my kids, was acclimating myself, was looking. And that was different from even where we were in Michigan where I was serving. And I was like, I just need to take a step back from this and see where we end up. And then I ended up doing some different things. I worked in kids ministry um, in like a twos and threes, like the toddler room. That wasn't a great fit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was more stressed out and that, and I feel like I just needed the freedom to be like, no. And I served as like an usher. Like I was just like, that seems like an easy job. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'll do that. Um, and then I worked, um, I do work with our prayer team and then our speaking team. I do a lot of coordinating and planning for, um, our sermon series alongside our lead pastor and like a team, we have a team approach to teaching. So that is feeling like a real sweet spot for me. Um, and it's not something that I would have seen for myself. Um, but it's, I think it's just interesting to see how the Lord has led into that role. And I don't, I don't feel a lot of pressure, um, as a pastor's wife and maybe part of it is like our church is younger and my husband's not like the main, main pastor, Mm -hmm. but that's also comes from the other, pastor's wives on the team, that they're mm-hmm. each their own person serving in their own way. There's not like a, you should be a pianist or you should be a, you know, the children's church leader, just because you're a pastor's wife. There's not some of those like preconceived notions. And there's a lot of freedom for us to all be authentic and imperfect. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate it for my kids too, that I feel like that they're growing up, maybe not quite, I don't feel from them like any, like, Oh, you're the pastor's kid. You should behave mother. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> We're doing our best. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> but, to behave. Yes. Um, let me ask you this out of my own curiosity, when you're writing a sermon, what are, I mean, what are, how do you approach that? Like, what are your methods for that? Yes. So generally I'm far enough out that I begin to think about it probably a month to two months in advance. So I just finished this talk that I currently gave and I will be speaking again in January. So I'm already starting to mull over the topic that I have. Um, And some of what I'm doing is also like the prep of looking ahead into the series and giving people jumping off points. So for the series, for the series we're doing in January, I've written like a paragraph of like, this is how I think this topic I'm talking about fear. So I've like, and I'm like, here's a biblical story that would fit with this topic. And then here's some extra verses that I've put together. So I'm thinking about it now and mulling it over. And about two weeks out, I normally try to sit down and really go through, read through the passage that I'm going to be teaching from a lot. Um, maybe make some notes, some like general notes about things that I'm observing from it. Maybe some places where I'm like, yeah, I would really like to dive in a little bit deeper to this time. And then um, after I kind of have like a kind of maybe a basic frame, then I go back through and spend like two or three hours just straight writing. Um, and then from there, once I've written it, I normally rest it for a couple of days and then I'll pick it back up and I will polish it as I speak it out. Because Mm -hmm. I'm a writer, the writing piece comes more easily to me than the speaking piece. 
Mm-hmm. So, and that's different for other people on our team. Some people like if they get something real rough on paper, then when they speak it, I'm like, I'm like, I cannot believe this is this. Cause it's just a little bit, it's just for different from how I prepare because I feel like I'm starting as a writer, not a speaker. So, um, and so then I'll practice it. And then I normally rest it the Friday and Saturday before I will have finished it and it's all ready to go. And I have a sense of, um, how far out I like to be on all this prep that makes me feel good. Um, I have been challenged the last couple of times with getting ready a little bit faster where I don't have like a two month lead in <laughs> um, because that as someone that steps into that, I'm not the pastor speaking, but I'm like, Oh my goodness. How does anyone speak two weeks in a row? Like I have no idea. <laughs> like it seems so hard to me, which I'm also doing it along with all the other things I'm doing. I'm, you know, it's not my full-time job, but at the same time, I'm like, it is, there is another piece to that that I don't have yet of being like, you're prepping one and it's ready to go at the same time you're researching and pouring into the next one that's um, coming down. Yeah. I'm just like, I I only really thought about that recently. And I was like, man, pastors really have a hard job (laughs) in so many ways, because not only do you have to basically give like an awesome Ted talk every week. (laughs) um, But, you know, in addition to that, of course, you sort of have to be there for your whole church. And I can't imagine the sort of boundaries that you really have to put on your own life to sort of stay sane. Um, because I bet people feel very, just almost like entitled to your time because you're the pastor. So, um, it'd be interesting to actually interview a pastor and ask them about that actually. Yeah. Um, well, Katie, let's, um, we're going to wrap it up. Number one, let's say, um, what. Well, let me do this first. What books have you been reading and podcasts have you been listening to lately that you can recommend? Mm, Okay. So I am reading right now a book called Honest Advent, and I'm not going to be able to tell you the author's name. I think it's Eric. Um, So Facebook ads came hard for me for this book, and (laughs) I bowed to the pressure, (laughs) Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I would say it is a read for Advent that is really pulling at the birth aspect and the really human elements of Jesus' birth. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a new Christian. I always think about that. If for someone that's established in your faith, this is a good, like, let's take a shift and look at this kind of through a different lens. But if you are maybe not familiar, as familiar with the Christmas story beyond the basics, beyond, you know, the Peanuts Christmas special, um, it's probably not going to be a great Christmas read. Um, it might leave you with more questions than answers. But I'm really loving that book. Um I just read like in nonfiction, I've just read these series of books based on little women. They're called Meg and Joe and then Beth and Amy. And they were Mm. so sweet. They're, I would say maybe in the PG 13 ish, like category (laughs) of like, um, they're not Christian books, but they were so sweet. And I love the story of little women. So it was like a modern take on that and reading books like just literature, I chiclet, but it's really relaxing for me. And I feel Mm -hmm. like for a long time, I've looked at reading, which I've always enjoyed as like a checklist and how many books and am I reading smart books and like books people recommend. And literally over this fall, I was like, I can just read books to relax and just Mm -hmm. enjoy and not have to have a list or keep track of like what I'm (laughs) reading. I can just relax and enjoy them. And so those are ones that have been just really were enjoyable to me to read. Um, podcasts. I I feel like I listened to a podcast yesterday, but I don't remember what it was. Um, I listen to the lazy genius often uh-huh. and I listen to Annie F downs pretty often. Those are two of my heaviest rotations. I love to listen to podcasts 
sometimes I do get a little caught up in a lot of voices. And so I have to kind of quiet them a little bit when Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about things myself. Yeah. Um, But those are two that are pretty heavy in my rotation um, that I would say that I'm almost not like almost always listening to, but I'm like, like, oh, I was listening to Sharon says so yesterday. Sharon says so. Yeah. So uh, Sharon says so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so funny because I actually just saw her podcast for the first time yesterday when I was looking for a new podcast and I was like, oh, and it had like 12,000 reviews on it. (laughs) Yes. Well, she's, I'm, I love to also study people, like people's marketing. Like when she launched her podcast, I'm like, this is very interesting. Like just the process of going about it. She's a very smart woman, but I was just listening to she had a podcast about Rosemary Clooney, who was in White Christmas. And so it's just, she's kind of telling historical stories. That was what that podcast was. That's what a lot of them are. So I just really enjoyed like kind of abstract facts about this random person. And once again, sometimes I, I listen to some heavy podcasts. I listen to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you get into the deep ones and I'm like, okay, I need to, once again, like yeah, do a lighter one. take. <laughs> I have you listened? I listened. I finished it yesterday. I'm not fully finished, partly because it felt so heavy to me as I was going. I think I finished the third episode. Um, the third episode? Are there seven episodes altogether? Oh, I think there's more. I think I want to oh, say there's gracious. nine. There's a lot, and the last two are like two and a half hours a piece. This there's is why so I didn't finish them. I was like, but I think that I feel like when I when I listen to, especially as someone that. I aspire to be a writer. I aspire to be a Christian leader. I aspire to be um, a speaker. And I feel like God has placed gifts and like calling and um, like a word that, that I feel called to speak out, but also taking that against always against like, am I doing this for selfish reasons? Am I doing this because I want to make something of me or do I feel like I want to make something of the message that God has? And so that felt very, very hard, you know, and it is something that I want to take that hard and look at often because I think I need to do it. I'm an Enneagram three. So I have that achievement personality bent and I know that about myself. And so it is, I need to finish it because I, yeah. everyone says just, it's great and a great piece of like, um, journalism. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get kind of, I got kind of lost in the middle. Like I felt like it kind of went mm-hmm. off track, but then it like pulled back at the end. So hang in there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so for, so your resources, if people want to get them, tell us where and tell us who they're for again, and we'll make sure we get that out there. Perfect. So I, my website, chasingvibrance.com is where I have it all. Um, right at the top of that website, it's, I have my vibrant starter guide for moms. It's totally free. And then you end up on my email address, my email list. Um, and I send out weekly emails with like a devotional that's encouraging and just some fun things that I'm reading, liking, um, shopping for sometimes. And then I also have at chasingvibrance.com. You can hit my shop page. Like there's just a little button there. It says shop and you can check out my Bible studies that I have there um, for you. And they're mostly geared towards Christian women. And I would say more, especially those with young kids, but I mean, I've have grandmas to young adults doing them as well. So it, it is good and hits everyone. I feel like, but yeah, that's and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. I have a pretty defunct Twitter, but it's all chasing vibrance. Chasing <laughs> vibrance. Yes, it's like if you're gonna leave one out, that's the one. 
Right. It gives me stress. So. Yes. <laughs> All right, Katie, we'll stay on with me, but thank you so much for um, chatting today. And I appreciate hearing about all the great stuff you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.